Are you all good? Yep. What's going on, everybody? You're listening to another episode, a new episode of the Tall and Short of a Podcast. I'm your host, Justin. I'm Aaron. Welcome back. Good to see you, man. How are you? I'm good. It's been a it's been kind of a busy week. This feels like probably the busiest week that I've had in a long or that I can really remember since the pandemic started. So what made it so busy? Uh, so over the weekend went uh, snowboarding. So got back into to that a little bit, which was nice. I hadn't been most of the season, so got to hit the slopes, work out some muscles and, and get some soreness that I hadn't had in a while. Some from falling, some from uh, actually using muscles. How many um, times did you fall? Didn't count. Uh, it wasn't. See, I, the good thing about this time, I didn't really have any bad falls. Nice. So last year I had some pretty hard ones this year. Uh, most of my falls were pretty. Uh, yeah. Well, easy. They still had some soreness afterwards, a little bit of bruising here and there on the arms, but uh, but nothing, no injuries. That's good. Um, I did didn't win the uh, much wanted title of Jerry of the day on on Saturday uh, by having to have the ski lift stopped. To well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, it is was... Jerry of the day a Parks and Rec reference? No, it's not. Um, it's it's typically uh, a nickname for uh, people who don't know what they're doing on the slopes. Gotcha. So I, I got that. Who's um, the original Jerry? That I don't know. I'd have to ask Shane. He's was the, there a um, Seinfeld episode? I don't think there was a Seinfeld gotcha. episode. Gotcha. Okay. There is definitely a Seinfeld episode about going to like a mountain resort, possibly for skiing. Don't recall exactly, but uh, but yeah, I um, just zoned out when the chairlift was coming around and didn't get on properly. And then it like kind of knocked me down a little bit. And yeah. then <laughs> I had to get to the back of the line. So it is what it you is. You hate to see it. it and your a- friends are just getting carted up the mountain and you're just down there all alone. Oh yeah. They were like, uh, we don't know that guy. Right. So, That's funny. Which is fair. I did your helmet with their, with their snowboard. I pretty much, I definitely deserved it. I, oh, yeah. I Damn, zoned dude. out. Sorry uh, to hear that. Ah, it's all good. Yeah. You, uh, I've gotten better at dealing with the, uh, the embarrassment and anxiety that comes with. So that's good. That's good. <laughs> I, yeah, cause that's, that's rough. I beat myself up riding the chairlift up to the top by myself. And then when I got to the top, I was like, no, oh, never happened. Put it out. Yeah. Of my what, mind. Are you, what are you going to do? <laughs> You're never going to see those people ever again. I mean, plus you're wearing face masks, right. I got a helmet on, they have no idea. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Uh, Monday. Well, that's exciting. I'm glad you had a good time on the slopes. That's sick. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. A um, lot of drinking, too. It was a good time, and uh, I felt Love pretty good. In. I almost, uh, yeah, I was trying to learn some tricks. I almost hit a 180 off a box jump. Um, couldn't quite stick it, but next time. I believe in you. You'll get it next time. Um, but yeah, there was that. Then we had preseason testing that I was trying to keep up with all weekend. So that yep. was fun. That was um, that was a lot. There was a lot of uh, footage to go through. Oh, yeah. Because um, it was two sessions each day, right? 
Yeah, two sessions each day. Four hours each? Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of driving. Um, But really interesting. Yeah. Now, this was your first time uh, watching a preseason, correct? Right, yeah. I think last year I kind of glanced over some, like, after things to to get a little bit of an idea, but this was the first time going through and kind of watching a lot of that. What were your first, like... Well, I don't know. Like, do you, is there any other like housekeeping stuff you wanted to go over or do you just kind of want to get right into it? Uh, yeah, we can dive right in. Okay, cool. Cause yeah, tell me, tell me what your first impressions were. What were you thinking? What did you like? Um, so first impression, I was surprised that Mercedes was struggling a little bit. They weren't really struggling for pace necessarily, um, they were still pretty, pretty good up there. And I think their race pace will be fine, but it was interesting to see, uh, Lewis and Valtteri kind of having some difficulty with the, uh, the control of the car. So right. that was one thing that definitely stuck out, um, alongside with, uh, all the Honda engines, Red Bull and Alpha Tauri were both just killing it. So, mm-hmm. uh, those were my initial, uh, solid thoughts that i had i was like the these teams look like they're going to be pretty good uh red bull might be able to contend with mercedes which just i think makes it more fun for everyone for there to actually be a title fight a little bit right Um, instead of just mercedes way out ahead and everybody trying to catch up yep exactly Yeah. yeah you hate to see that um the rookies looked pretty good yuki sonoda especially um well, Schumacher and, and Mazepin didn't get really as much screen time. So I know Mazepin almost had a couple of incidences, but he, he avoided hitting anyone, which was good. Right. Well, um, what's interesting about the the Haas car, is, and, and this is just what I understood from the broadcast, is that they are holding upgrades for the 2022 season and the vehicle that Mazepin and Schumacher are driving are pretty much the vehicle that they're going to have throughout the course of the 2021 season. Yeah. Which was like a bit like, well, uh, now that I'm thinking about it right now, like it's not that disheartening. I was going to say it's a bit disheartening, but like teams need development years. Teams need time to train and get up to pace and this and that. But um, I thought that was, that was one interesting thing coming out of the testing was that that Haas was openly talking about like, look, we're not, you, we're not really focused on this year. Which I definitely understand. I think that, um, they will still give Mick and and Nikita some good like training and and practice time to kind of ramp up for those upgrades and and hopefully a better car down the road. Um, But I also, I hate to see a team basically feel like they're throwing in the towel before the season even starts. You know what I mean? Um, I think that, doing that so early on is just it doesn't look great like it doesn't look like they're all in on being in f1 
if they're not willing to to like year after year try and push and and improve and get better. Um, but maybe a development year is pushing to get better. They just know. Like, what if there's just no reason to lie to the media and be like, we're going to be competitive, we're going to be at the top of the pack, Mazepin and Schumacher are going to fucking just suck all their dicks. <laughs> and it's like, so then when that doesn't happen, then you actually have more to answer for, right? But yeah. what if you frame it early in the season as like, look, our car's not getting a lot of upgrades. We have two rookie drivers promising rookies you know but rookies and then our if i understand it correctly the or no i guess that would have been for Aston martin with cyril mm. i was gonna say haas didn't have any like um like uh, like board reworks did they not that i'm aware of okay um. okay so they're just dealing with then a couple of new rookies and um you know a car looking ahead to 2022 so maybe they get 23 races of like good solid f1 experience and then they can come out next year and be like hey look here's our r&d focus for the 2022 car now mazepin and schumacher they have 23 races they've got 23 races times 50 is like what's that you have like a hundred and that's a lot of laps is, like is all i was saying 1100 1200 laps yeah that's a lot of laps right in an f1 yeah. car on f1 tracks so now they're more seasoned and then maybe next year they can be a little more competitive and like be ready for that so it may just be a careful positioning in like the media where you don't actually want to um it, Maybe you don't want to lie like that because then you have a lot more to answer for. I guess that's all I'm saying. Yeah, and I mean, I definitely get that too. I wouldn't want them to come out and be like, yeah, we're going to be racing in the midfield and then be 19th and 20th place every week. Right. Um, but I, I, mine's more, I oh, guess, wow. in terms of like saving the development until the 2022 season and everything. I, I think it it feels like, like they're throwing in the towel a little bit on this season before it even starts. Like they're not even willing to give their, their drivers a shot at being competitive this season, which I mean, Mm -hmm. like I definitely understand wanting to put focus on the future and everything. Like F1 is going to be around for a long time and you want to be successful down the road. Um, so I, I definitely understand not wanting to put as much effort into this season, but it like there's for me, it's like there's the bare minimum and then there's just like doing nothing and they're like doing nothing and not, not even doing the bare minimum of like slight upgrades and, and they're, they seem committed to like not changing their car at all throughout the season. Um which I think you could even try and make like small upgrades that maybe don't take as much time or, or really as much like right um, engineering or whatnot to just try and get slightly faster. Right. Like I think 
by the end of the season, if they don't do anything with their car, they're going to be like one to two laps down in almost every race for the last five, six races, probably. Barring safety cars and things like that, that kind of reel things back in. Yeah. And I think that's, that's just not, uh, it's not in the competitive spirit for me, but I understand there's a lot of other factors involved. There's money, there's development, there's all these different things. Right. That kind of disappoints me. Okay. Let me ask you this though. Sidebar that makes me think of, I saw a short video on YouTube. It was pretty funny. It was like, um, it was like a short little clip. It was just like every podcast ever. And it was just this guy going, all right, so let me ask you this. Mm, <laughs> I hear you. Let me ask you this. He's like, all right, but, but let me just pick your brain here for a second. But let, let me just ask you this. It was just like, <laughs> I guess like classic podcast, whatever. But anyway, it's not as though, it's not as though Haas is like your favorite team, though. Nor were they something that made the top of the table either, right? I don't right. think we're missing out on on anything by Haas taking some time. No, in if it was like a like an Alpine or a Ferrari or a McLaren, I would I would be like, uh, um, what? And then yeah. I may feel similar to you, but Haas, I mean, it sounds like they need the time, bro. Yeah, it, it, I think the reason that I have a tough time with it is they were co- competitive in the midfield two, three years ago. Like, okay. like they were like uh, early in, I think it was the 2018 season, um, Grosjean was having some like, top six top seven finishes like they were like decently competitive in the midfield and then like last season they just got worse it and it's also concerning to me in a sense that i wonder if they plan to stay in f1 like if you're not willing to put the money and the time and effort into each season making upgrades for your car and year after year doing that like as opposed to just being like up oh, the season's chalked up we're going to go move on to the next one and start prepping for that are you a super committed organization in the F1 field or is there someone better who could take that spot potentially and like really year after year push to be competitive. Like I know in all sports, there are years where teams kind of tank to like, hopefully do better in the future years, but that's by getting like better draft picks, better things like that. Yeah. I'm not sure tank tank is the word I would use to describe that action. I think it's, careful allocation of resources in in a world where money is finite and i hope that's the case yeah um i i definitely would like to see i i've always been in in just all sports i'm a big proponent of the bottom teams and teams that are struggling kind of pulling themselves up and whether that's by getting draft picks and I don't like seeing teams 
that are perpetually on the bottom, just getting kicked again and again while while they're down year after year. Um, it's a fun story too, to see like teams that are struggling kind of make a comeback and stuff. Mm -hmm. I think like with Williams this year, that's another thing. I think they are like looking to have a a much more successful year than they have the past couple of seasons. Um, I don't like teams being just kind of at the bottom and not fighting to, to move up to that point though is that is that what made george russell's um sakir grand prix showing so exciting because you saw a driver that was on a team that was seriously struggling for so long come up and do something truly great for I mean, like sister organization, yes, but it was somebody who was like at, at the bottom of the board for a long time, and then you see him come up and do this wonderful thing on the track. Um, it was a bit of a like a almost like a redemption moment where like given the tools, like oh he can do it, definitely. And it's, it seems like Williams is giving him the tools. I think that's what I was getting at. Yeah, and I think that that's great. But my my bigger, I guess my. One of my concerns is that in the the times we're in with F1 and the amount of roster changes and thing and driver lineup changes that have happened in, in recent years, um, what's to stop a, a driver from performing or proving like George kind of did that he can be competitive by right. – showing that he was good in qualities and things like that um, from just leaving the team and going to a better performing team. And then that bottom tier team just has to pick up another new driver or an underperforming driver or something. And they're just stuck in that same spot. I mean, the only thing that really stops something like that from happening is like having multi-year contracts where drivers are locked in. So they're like, well, you can't jump ship because we got you locked in. Right. Um, I, I just don't want to see teams uh, stuck at the bottom. I like to see the shakeup. I like the midfield battles and, and seeing as many teams as possible competing for that success. Okay. So what would you need to see from Haas as an organization to believe that they haven't just thrown in the towel and the looking ahead to the 2022 season is actually a sign of a beating heart, not a flat line. I mean, I don't think that I will be able to know that until the 2022 season. Um, Cause if, if they are just deciding, Hey, we're just going to use the same car for this whole season. Um, yeah, we'll get to see some growth in their drivers with their like how they compete, how they're driving, how they uh, can try to be competitive. Um, but I, I don't think that we'll fully know um, what's if the, if this plan that they have of putting all their effort towards the twenty twenty two season is uh, legitimate until we get to that point. And we can mm. see them see whether or not they, because if 
I, I guess the way to to say it from the way I look at it is what if this whole season goes by at the end of the season, things wrap up, Haas has zero points, they finish last and second to last in every single race, they're bottom of the constructors, and then 2022 comes around and they're still in that same spot and taking this entire year to put development forward for the 2022 season, they get there and they're still last in everything. Like if that happens, then I have, I lose even more faith in the organization. Um, So I would need them to be at least semi-competitive with some of the other bottom teams williams alfa romeo uh, some of those lower teams to kind of prove that taking this year to develop for next year is actually a, a legitimate strategy hmm because I mean, they won't be able to prove anything this year. I don't think it'll be that bad. I I hope it's not. But no, that's I'm, like worst case scenario, bro. It, it kind of is, but I think there's also a lot to gain from trying to make upgrades and changes to your car throughout the season. I think you can learn a lot through doing that right. during a season because otherwise, like your planning and preparation for next year, it's all hypothetical. You're not getting to practice with those new arrow things. You're not getting to practice with the new engine upgrades. You're it's all simulated. It's all data number. There's no actual way to be like, to say our car next year is guaranteed to be much better. Right. Like something to be feared. Right. And even, and I don't expect them to go from like last place to competing for a constructor's championship. Like I, I, that's not my expectation, but I think there's a lot of value in getting, making upgrades during the season and getting legitimate practice and competitive practice with those different things to to make sure that you are on the right track like it's possible that they think that they've got something like really nailed down for a year out be like oh like this is going to be great and they get to that point and it just doesn't work like they're expecting it to right so well i don't know man maybe they know something we don't but yeah it's a um makes me think of a bold strategy cotton let's see if it works out for them yeah i mean they've got a lot of smart all these teams have really smart engineers they have really like put together organizations and i know that no one's like intentionally like failing because obviously they everyone wants to be successful at the end of the day right but i just hope more than gunter steiner i just hope that it works out because i if they put all this effort in and it doesn't work out at all, it's going to look really bad. We fondled all these women and we can't get a constructors. <laughs> Jesus. Oy. 
well, I mean, the way Mazepin almost ran into two different people during uh, testing, and who knows fondler. if who knows if he'll end up even being a, a driver with getting that many points on his. I don't know, dude. Super license. I don't know, man. Grosjean, Grosjean had a problem, and they let him drive. They even took him into IndyCar. They were like, "Yeah, we'll take you." I mean, a no lot one seemed of, to care. A lot of his crashes were uh, one car crashes. <laughs> That's true. Well, isn't that worse? <laughs> isn't that I'm... worse? Just like all by himself, he's just putting it into the wall or. Like, I mean, I don't, know, I don't, I don't know if it's worse. I think it's better in a sense that he's not taking out other, he's not torpedoing that, other cars. That, that's good. You're right. He's only burning his hands, not other drivers' hands. Ooh. Uh, I was, I was like, I was saying to you, really happy to see him kind of in an analytical role on Twitter and everything as much of an analyst as anyone can be on Twitter. But, right. Right. Um, Aren't we all just, uh, PhDs on that site? Armchair analysts, man. Armchair <laughs> fucking doctorates, bro. Uh, but no, it was cool. He was, he was making comments about how he was seeing some of the cars, uh, behave, especially like Mercedes with the back end being difficult. Right. Even in uh, a lot of the videos I was watching of, well, either live or recap videos, watching the Mercedes drivers go around the track when you have the cockpit cameras on was concerning to me. Like the amount of times where they're going around the corner and they're like making these jolty little like corrections and everything. I'm like, that doesn't look smooth. Like that no. doesn't look clean. You shouldn't be having to make that many like of these jerky little like changes with the steering wheel. Yeah, I think um, at high speeds that can get pretty dangerous. Definitely. And I thought it was. um, Yeah, I, I think it's interesting to see them kind of struggle. Superman has his uh, has a little bit of a, a chink in his armor. Well, not yet. Well, yeah. You're only seeing Superman on the training field. Right. They could be sandbagging a little bit. Mm. Yeah. Nobody's nobody's using live rounds yet. You yeah. know, if Lewis and Valtteri start spinning in qualifiers and they have like a bad race day and like they're not even on podium like in the first race. Then we can start talking about chinks in the uh, in the in the W twelve armor, but right now we're just working out, bro. We're just oh, in I the yard. I know it's still it's still early. Obviously, there's still two weeks out till or weekend. It's still early, dolls, mate. But I think um, just based on the data and the information we have, it was yeah. interesting. Yeah, Mercedes, best of the rest. Um, Red Bull, Alpha Tauri, top of the heat. Um, I was really impressed with Alpha Tauri. I mean, they seem specifically to Specifically Yuki. Yeah, they seem to have really gotten it together. And I know you were super hyped for Yuki. So what were your thoughts on like his, his 
weekend. His well, testing. It took him it 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 took him a couple laps to like really get going. Um, because we didn't see him top of the day until Sunday, I think it was. I think it was I think it was second session day two, maybe. So gotcha. it was like the later, it was definitely later in the weekend. Gotcha. Um either way, I think he looked confident. He was fast. Um, the car itself looked really good outside of the like um just like the data laps when they were like really pushing it with soft tires. Mm. He looked really good, confident. Um, I think he's going to be a real problem for drivers on the grid. Yeah, I think he's going to be really solid, um, which I'm happy about. I think that having, I thought Gasly this past season performed really well. Mm. And so having him and Gasly together, I think that could be a, a really competitive duo to push Alpha Tauri up towards that, like maybe even fourth position in the constructors, fourth or fifth, somewhere up there. Um, I think it'll be interesting between like them, Aston Martin, and Alpine kind of in that that middle. I think McLaren looked really solid too, so I would mm-hmm. not be shocked to see them be uh, a third. Um, third place in the constructors uh but we'll see how it goes um yeah, danny and lando looked very uh very comfortable in the in the mclaren vehicle i'm really excited for for the season i'm also excited for friday since that's when the the new drive to survive comes out oh wow this month is flying by hell yeah dude it's it's going fast it's there's a lot going on. Um, But yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. I think like overall, um, yeah, seeing Red Bull really perform well and not seem to have too many issues other than I guess when was it Checo's uh, the casing around his engine just like shredded and blew off. I think that was his car. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think it was Max's. Yeah, it was really odd. That was weird. I've I've never seen something like that happen. But yeah, I guess, I'm curious um, if it was like a temperature issue. I didn't hear what the what the commentators were saying. I missed what they were talking about either, other than the fact that it happened. I don't. Maybe it had something to do with the crazy winds and the sandstorm. Like ah. the fact that they had. Darude out there playing right during uh, like chucking those beats all over the track probably just distracted everyone a little bit they're like coming around the home stretch and in the distance they just hear sorry (laughs) that was that was a terrible joke (laughs) (laughs) but uh but that was also weird like seeing them uh kind of out in like art well not artificially but like slippery conditions were not due to rain yeah there there's something so odd about the f1 mentality of like yep we don't quit for anything you know definitely it was weird um but kind of cool to see them in a little bit of a different uh different environment 
Well, we could just blame the Mercedes on that, you know, like the car was tuned for dry tracks, not, you know, a one inch layer of sand on the track. Yeah, true. Well, it was funny while they were going through, I was watching. That was part that I got to watch live. Um, Nice. And I'm sitting there and I forget which commentator said it, but he just goes, I hate sand. It's coarse and irritating and it gets uh, it was, everywhere. Uh, yeah, it was Will Buxton. <laughs> yeah. yeah, people all weekend were talking about his Star Wars references. I thought it was hilarious, but the other commentator, I immediately picked it up. I'm like, right. oh, that's funny. And the other commentators had no idea for like five minutes. And yeah, like, they said Like, oh, like that, that was a Star Wars thing? He's like, yeah. <laughs> so bad. Uh, very entertaining. Uh, I, the broadcast was fun. You enjoyed Ted Kravitz's hand motions. Dude, it was so funny. The section where like something was going on with the audio. He was literally like so animated, like pointing out to the cars and smiling and like yada, yada, yada. And it was just like, nothing was coming through. It was just dead silent. And then they cut him off. They were like, bro, bro, we can't hear a word you're saying. It was I need to see funny. if I can find a clip of that because I, I'm sure it's out there. Yeah, it was only like it was like an hour into like the first session on day one. So I sh- I'm sure I could go back through. Um, yeah, yeah, it was hilarious. It. But very entertaining. Um, I was also I, I know I had mentioned it to you, but I was really intrigued by the um the lap counts that the teams were doing um, and kind of how, how many total laps teams got in. Yeah. And you had those numbers up and uh, some of the drivers were putting in insane mileage. Yeah. Like I think um, I forget which day, I think it was day three, but we had uh, Kimi Raikkonen putting in 166 laps in one day which is just insane. The fact that it like oldest dude out there and he's just like, yeah, I'm going to be in this hot car and suit in the Bahrain sun. And I'm just, just going gonna around, 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 around power through for three full races worth of driving um, with, with George Russell only eight less laps than him. Like on that, on day three, Kimmy did, 900 kilometers of driving that's crazy the endurance on those guys man yeah and then after george like the next closest yuki sonoda did about 500 so he was he did 400 kilometers more driving than the third most on the grid that day that's which crazy is just, it's nutty man like what uh, leads the teams to do so much less than that Honestly, I don't know. And I maybe it's fine tuning. Maybe they're they're trying different things like uh Kimmy might have been just doing a lot of that like long um long run testing to see how the car does on heavier loads of fuel and more of a race kind of simulation where right. other teams maybe are trying to cut down, do less to get more of like a a quality style with low fuel and different things like that. Right. Um, not really sure. I'm sure they had plenty. I'm sure teams had their reasons, but the fact that it's such a huge difference is like 
just well, kind of crazy. Thing, yeah. Like it, it's weird to see um, that there's that huge of a, a right. Difference Cause it's not just like 10, 20 laps. It's like double, triple, quadruple the amount of laps. Yeah. Which yeah. is a lot. I've, I've seen, man, I, I can barely sit for like, I can sit for like a couple hours. I don't think I could sit for like four hours, just zoned in on like, left turn right turn hard right left box like i that's uh, the focus and everything you need for that is insane and not only yeah yeah and they're going so fast too and those turns yeah it's not like it's not like they're just sailing just sailing around there right you know they're like moving which is crazy. Yeah. And all day, which is like, and more, more than they do on a race day, which is crazy. Yeah. And like, if you lose focus for even that, like hair of a second, like, right. Could just bin it. Yeah. Like that, I, that, Oh, that was one thing. So I had, I had therapy on Monday and I apparently have ADHD. So that's cool. But I think comparing to myself and my uh, limited attention span uh, due to things and comparing it to that, it just blows my mind. Yeah. I'm, that they can just amazed. like zone in on that one thing for for that long. Like right. it, it's insanely impressive. And I know it's also like compared to me, it's crazy. But also I think compared to just the average person, I think that's wild to be able to just lock in like that for for that long in like in a hot machine going really fast yeah yeah that there's a lot of uh, a lot of factors there you're like chugging water from a little pouch probably peeing while you drive um maybe sweating it out who knows maybe i don't know if i was if i was an f1 driver i would say give me a catheter bro I think I'd rather a catheter than a diaper. Oh, uh, yeah, I would say in terms of like comfort mm-hmm. for, but I also, I, for some reason, feel like that would be a safety hazard. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And I mean, you know, if you can't hold your pee for like an hour and a half, you know, like the races can't go longer than two hours. That's true. And I guess in that, in that, however many 900 kilometers, I'm sure they had a few breaks throughout the day. Right. Like it wasn't like Kimmy was just driving. Yeah, he had time. He stretched his legs. He got a bagel. He wasn't too worried about it. <laughs> yeah. But, but still, that's a long time to, to just zone in on. Yeah. And it's from a driver like you wouldn't expect. Like he's from, like he's, he's out for Romeo. He's not like top of the grid needing to, you know. He's, he's funny though, because he has been so competitive in the past and everything. Like he's been on Ferrari. Like he's, he's been at the top. Right. And, now like he's literally in interviews just been like yeah i just do this for fun (laughs) he's like i just like driving i mean i mean love to see it 
That's what you want for everybody in life, right? Definitely. Well, and I mean, even uh, we've got Fernando out here who I forget. I I was looking at something with him, but he has had a ridiculous amount of – oh, yeah, there it is. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. One, twelve, three. This is his eight. This is uh, Fernando Alonso's 18th F1 season. Nice. Like, just crazy. Him and him and Kimmy both. Uh, I think Kimmy's 41 and Fernando's 39 or something like that. Jeez, man. The two of them out there, and then we've got like Yuki and Mick and, and Nikita out there, half their age. Um, it's kind of cool to see. It's a, right. it's a sport that uh, it's kind of like golf in a sense that it's a sport that people of all age groups can kind of play and compete at a relatively similar like level. You don't have to have uh, like with the NFL or NBA. It's very rare to have someone outside of that 20 to 30. Right. Age group. Right. So well, maybe it's like a maybe it just shows the outliers in the sport where, you know, maybe most people would have been done at like 34, 35. But like these guys are actual freaks in the sense that they can continue, you know, putting that car through its paces. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, because it's not like Kimmy's dead last in in the races. He's like, you know, he keeps no. pace. He's he was up in the points a, a few times this past season. He's, right. Um, I think he was like sixth in terms of time on first day of testing. Right. Um, which is which is cool. I mean, and then even like Lewis is thirty six. So yeah, we've got a a pretty good spread, but also world champions and and those people like people who are lasting really long have been really top tier drivers for extended times well that's promising for me because now you know i'm you know pushing 30 but i can you haven't even peaked yet man right i haven't even peaked exactly you're gonna you're gonna be on that f1 sim just zooming just locking it in bro just locking it in is that is that for a console or is that for uh on your computer it's on the PlayStation. Okay, I gotcha. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure because uh, I was thinking of. I wonder if you can hook up your. Uh, can you hook up your driving stuff to the computer if you wanted to? I think so. Yeah, I think it is PC compatible. Oh, dope! So you yeah. could even, if you want to, uh, get up with the newest F one games and and school me around the track, man. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if um, it'd be worth the like the hassle of like moving it because it is kind of like a setup. And then True. would my PC be able to handle? Because you really want it to be like nice and consistent. Like, can you imagine like lagging on a racetrack? Like <laughs> that feels kind of bad. Um, it's so. like. Uh, internet into the wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you're just like all of a sudden, like in the apex of turn three, and then next thing you know, you're just like upside down in the wall. That'd be yeah, unfortunate. That would be unfortunate. <laughs> so yeah, I'll stick with the PlayStation Three for now, but maybe um one maybe day. one yeah maybe one day I'll be a sick racer. 
one day we'll we'll get some once uh, at the point that I get my own setup and everything and feel like we could compete, then that's when you'll have to Hell switch yeah. it. That's when you'll have to switch it. I'm not going to race you uh, keyboard versus. <laughs> oh, I would still school you, bro. Oh, I know I would you still would. school you. I would like to see it happen, though. Oh, It'll be bro. Fun. The trash talk. I'll take while the we're slowest car. I'll take the slowest car, too. Give you a 10 second head start. I'll still beat you. Just put me through my paces. Put you through <laughs> your paces, man. Hell yeah, that's funny. Oh, uh, but uh, but yeah, I guess. Did you um have any other interesting things from the preseason testing and all that were uh interesting to you, or or that stood out that we maybe haven't hit? Um, I think all the tech stuff on the cars was pretty cool. Um, seeing like these upgrades and they did this differently. They have this kind of thing. This team did it differently. Um, I thought the, the really funny thing was Mercedes covering up their, uh, the floor that they have. Yeah. Only to realize that a couple of teams did it similarly with like the, you know, the, the The way chip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think stuff like that's really cool. Like the little, uh, little tweaks and stuff that they'll make to try and get one mile per hour, two mile per hour out of the arrow. Um, I think it's kind of sweet. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Um, the other thing that I think will be a potentially interesting story, which I think mostly depends on how well they do, will be with McLaren. Mm-hmm. Because McLaren at their... I, whatever their exhaust or around the back of the car underneath, they found kind of a loophole in the rule for how they built that out and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And so based on previous seasons with uh, the, the pink Mercedes of racing point and the uh, complaints lodged against Ferrari in terms of uh, potentially rule breaking engine stuff yeah because there was something last year with the power unit right yeah or that was uh 2019 gotcha okay because they had like a really strong start and then after like the mid-season break all of a sudden they were like not where they had been kind of thing Hmm. um which a lot of people think there was some sort of little goings on between the FIA and and Ferrari being like hey you can't do that but we'll like not make a big thing about it. Ah, um, gotcha. Kind of thing and so all of a sudden Ferrari just kind of dropped off the the crazy performance they had but with um, no word from the FIA as Yeah, nothing gotcha. nothing really uh all under wraps and whatnot. So I'm interested that could be a potential like storyline of uh, whether or not some of the teams are like, oh, McLaren's cheating the cheating the rules by the way they did this and they're doing too good. Uh, I think that'll be could or could be something that comes up during the season. Right. Huh. Interesting. Because that's another one of those kind of tech things that they're like, hey, we found a way around the rules and kind of like the DAS system with Mercedes. Mm -hmm. I think they're like, found a loophole. 
And we're going to use it. <laughs> Which is interesting. Like, how do you have a loophole for them to introduce, like, a whole new, like, steering system? And then they're like, oh, man, you can't Nuts. do that. Like, that's crazy. I think with that, the thing I was the most curious about was if any other team had something like that that was in their development. Right. Because, like, honestly, wouldn't have shocked me if other teams had that in development and were like, we're going to run with this and potentially down the road. And then the FIA was like, oh, Mercedes, that's a no-no. We'll knock it off. And all those other teams just like, like, hey, don't tell anyone that we were looking into yeah. the same kind of thing. And that's such um, a weird thing too, man. Because like, that seemed like such an advantage. And they're just like, oh, we well, could use it till the end of the season, but then you got to be done. Well, it's the same thing with the um, the Racing Point Mercedes. They're like, well, yeah, you like you copied their car pretty much exactly, and they gave you some blueprints for how to make things, which they're not allowed to do. But we're just gonna like take some points away and then let right. you drive the car for the rest of the season. Exactly, it's like a weird way to handle it. It seems it's very uh, slap on the wrist and send them on their way kind of thing. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it'll be interesting. I feel like with something like that for Mercedes, that's a relatively easy part to potentially replace with something that fits more into the regulations if they are forced to. So I don't think they will be, though. I don't think they will be either, but I think it's easier to do that than maybe for mercedes to swap out all of their steering mechanisms and things like that if they right. they would have had to kind of thing oh i see what you're saying gotcha where instead yeah. of making them rebuild the whole drive shaft just say like look you can't do this but right know. or with the racing point if they had been like well your brake ducts are a literal copy of mercedes sorry you have to make new brake brake ducts for your car mid-season right it's much more difficult uh like part two to replace in a car than just some of the arrow on the back of the car kind of yeah that makes sense to me so so potentially maybe that's why things are handled the way they are but right the fia is uh they are a i'm trying to think of the right word they just do what they want with that and they're just like yep yeah, deal with it yeah like do their thing so but it seems like they also understand there has to be like really a, some amount of leeway um some amount of like wiggle room if you want racing to be really competitive you yeah know? which is good i think they do overall a good job just some it of their seems uh, like it some of the the rulings can just be kind of weird and i think it's maybe because i don't understand all the intricacies um but also maybe because they're just like trying to keep things competitive. Who knows? I'm sure. I'm sure in their mission statement, they would uh, cite a whole lot of reasons. Probably. Yeah. So, but overall, very excited for the season. I'm like itching for our, our bonus episode on the, uh, 
the morning of yeah sunday the the 28th yeah i think that's going to be really exciting uh testing was fun i think it was what was weird was just seeing them like going around the track like for no stakes though it like mm-hmm. it looked similar to a race but they were just like just going around for you know just practice which which was kind of funny but yeah overall it was uh it was a fun time um fun experience to watch definitely i'm i'm excited uh yeah i'm excited for the the real deal man yeah we'll see if um Oh, geez, excuse me. We'll see if um, Lewis and Valtteri suck as bad as the, um, you know, as it seems like they will. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so, too. Um, Bring on the new regime. We want the Verstappen title. I would love that, honestly. It would be pretty dope. Yeah. I, I think we can do it, too. That. So, uh, yeah, I think he could. Um, and I guess uh, looking at, at titles and, and playoffs and whatnot, we've got LCS playoffs coming up here pretty quick. Um, not, uh, I guess, a ton to hit on because I feel like standings and things didn't change too much. But I'm I'm interested to see how uh, the first first best of fives go this weekend. Yeah, and I'm glad they're doing it. I'm glad they're doing it best of fives for everything instead of some weird like ramping up with best of threes and then doing the best of fives because uh, that would be a total dick tease. Um, yeah, I'm never yeah, a I'm, fan of that. Like best it's of just three, stupid. Best of, yeah, it's just it dumb. Doesn't make sense. Um, I think I'm more excited for the Cloud Nine. 100 Thieves series. I think the pick band is going to be a little more diverse. I think both teams are going to be trying to prioritize different strategies, which I think is going to make for some really interesting pick band. Um, well, and I think with that, um, it'll be more interesting because both teams have kind of struggled a little bit recently. They've kind of faltered a little. Mm-hmm. So I think that'll be interesting to see in a best of five matchup, kind of how they they handle it, how they do. And I'll say this: I think I think one of the exciting things is going to be um, watching them with Sarah. Um, previously, it would have only been just seeing best of ones. And then mm. on to two new teams and then best of one on to two new teams. So I think what's going to be really fun is trying to like be able to watch the story of the series as opposed to just like individual game, individual game, individual game, like the, the through line and the little things that happen, they actually end up meaning something in the mm. story of the whole series and I and I often find that to be very fun like like sometimes you can tell a story of a series like well you know in game 1 there was you know they ban they ban Callista and then they got the first rotation Galio and you mm. saw how that affected blah 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 but then in game 2 you see how they try and adjust where they ban the Galio and then still take the first rotation Callista. And then you see how they won that game. Right. And then you get this, like this actual story of the teams and, and how they played. 
And then through that, you actually gain more information as to how good of a team they were. How did they adapt? Did they, mm-hmm. um, did they have good threat assessment, right? Did they, did they pick out the, like, you know, some top lane aggression as like the key thing in the matchup when in reality they should have been banning the mid laner and you see how that, that flaw in their game, it plays out game after game throughout the whole match where they're, they're ignoring the top lane or like they're, they're doing whatever with the top lane when it's actually like the mid lane that was kicking their teeth in. And then you can see how these teams evolve and try and formulate new ideas within the context of having just played that team, not the week before, not in scrims, not in anything. Five minutes ago, they just gave you information. Now, what are you going to do with that information? And I find that incredibly fascinating in the course of a best of five and not just in the pick and bands, even like level ones, like how the warding mm. changes, like it, it all to me is so much more fascinating and is really when my, when my mouth really starts watering, when you talk about when you talk about League of Legends, is when you can get into those long form conversations of what happened over the course of the four hours, not just thirty four minutes of gameplay. Yeah, or even seeing um, like you'll have instances where a team uh, comes out, they get the comp they want, they lose with it, and the next game they're just like salty run back we want the same comp we know right. that we we know that we just like messed up our level one and got put behind early and then it was just lost from there like it we know that if we do it the right way then we can win with this comp and so seeing things like that or seeing uh like maybe someone like blabber just pops off on hecarim and just like kick someone's teeth in for a whole game and then they're but like then you see how that gets banned every right, single exactly. game exactly they're like yeah. Oh, yeah that's it's very interesting to see kind of the uh those fluctuations in play styles the fluctuations in ba- picking bands like um i agree i think it gives you a really good idea of whether a team is legit or not and like if they're just good in in those best of ones or if they can actually uh make those adjustments and and improve throughout a series right so to your champion pool point it's interesting that that isn't something i've heard them talk about too much recently about anybody is like how large their champion pool is like mm. they talk about it with dardock a little bit but it almost seems like a just like a throwback type uh, analysis where you know they would say you know Jensen had you know he he had a he didn't have a champion pool he had a champion ocean right where like these yeah. dudes could play anything that thing um and i haven't seen that narrative really come through which makes me wonder how much these players are really experimenting with like off meta picks and things like this. Cause we haven't really seen that during the regular season. We've seen a couple of like standouts, like, like raises Draven um, and some others, but mm. overall it really has been a bit of a homogenous 
split. So and, I'm curious if we're going to see any uh, branching out in these series, upcoming well, series. And with that said, I think it's also a uh, kind of a connotation of how the meta has been over the past year or two. Like, I think certain certain roles have had substantial changes in what in what champions are being played. I would say jungle and support the most have probably fluctuated. But mid lane, like in every one of the past two, three seasons, like Syndra, Oriana, Galio, like there are yeah, a wide the number of champions. There's a wide number of champions that have been able to be played throughout the past few years that the mid laners haven't really had to do anything crazy with their champion pool. They're not having you're like, yeah, you see the Aswo and the um whoever I'm blanking on Yasuo's brother or whatever. Yone. Yone's uh like you see those mixed in, but you don't really see like the Zeds that much. You don't they're like you do see some small fluctuations with like a Tristana mid and a, maybe a Kali here and there back uh, previously, but but that's not like best. champion pool depth. Like that's no. just flexing a strong pick in the current meta, right? The vast yeah. majority of these champions have kind of carried through um, for like I'd say top lane, mid lane, and to some extent AD carry. AD carry had their their shifts where you were playing mages in the in the bot lane and things like that, right? Um, so and maybe, Ephelios and Caitlyn were big at Worlds, too, before this split. Right. And so I feel like generally you don't have to learn a very extremely new play style in the, the bot lane position as opposed to, like, you could have to in mid and top, like, between going from tank meta to carry top lane meta right. to all these different things. There's, uh, I mean, mid lane the only crazy weird stuff that you had were like playing orn mid and some of those like the scion mid the occasional like tank mid weird pick but even even those were answers to like that was because somebody picked a set mid or a zed mid and it was just like an easy counter pick like like right. what what do you what are you supposed to pick against a zed like a squishy like a squishy uh, like Syndra or somebody like no hey man just... I, I used to play that Zari matchup all the time oh you had where you had to like charm backwards because yeah and then I would just up. get and I would just get my my shit pushed in so. well that, that that was that was back in an during a time in our life where ego played more of a role Oh, you know, 100%. yeah, we, we thought we were way cooler than we actually were. So. If I went back and played League now, I'd be playing all the easy champions. <laughs> yeah, I would be playing supportive, like want to get in the comms. Let me ward for you. Give me the I Maokai. Need... Hey, I'll right. play Skarner, Udyr, like the run at you, like <laughs> kind right. of thing. I don't need to be playing my, my Kha'Zix and hopping in and out. Carry and... the game. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Like Alex Itch. Picking the, the lease in as an ego pick and just being like, I'm going to play this because I'm better. <laughs> I'll tell you, speaking like going back to competitive and not just like like bad bronze tier, but 
<laughs> that's a pick that I've been craving to see the in LCS is Lee Sin. Like I've been trying to explain to Sarah like how insane of a champion he is in the hands of like the best players in the world. But we just like we don't see him, so like it never Ooh. gets exemplified. I think the the closest comparison to something like that that you could make would be like someone pulling out the Kindred right now, because I think one of the biggest strengths of Lee Sin, other than his early dueling and damage, is the potential for obscure gank paths and the ability to hop and move across weird walls so frequently that Leeson has with ward hops and like mm-hmm. hitting his Q and following it onto like camps across different things. Yeah. Like Kindred is the only current comparison I could make for being able to hop over things like consistently to take weird paths and to like um have weird gank timings and things right. like that. Rex I feel I can do it too, but Rex I, I can. Think- That's a that's another one, I guess. I don't think his place is as strong in the meta, though. Like, you would rather pick a Kindred to do that than the Rek'Sai. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I, and so I think... I, I would love to see Lee Sin, too. That would be awesome. Yeah. Um, He's insane. Yeah, the play... Dude, watching an LPL or just, like, a, a Chinese solo queue Lee Sin is disgusting. Well, they're so fast. They're so fast. So fast. It all happens so quick, and then the people are dead, and you're just like, Jesus. Oh, and like the hit the queue, follow it, dash to award, flash kick someone, and all the just wild stuff you can do is. Yeah, and then like you're, and not only are you breaking that player's ankles, like you're breaking the whole enemy team. Like nobody touches you when you're doing all that. Like they're trying, they're trying. You know, and, like breaking the the cameraman's yeah, <laughs> like, seriously. ankles. That's um, so true. It's yeah that that's definitely a pick I would like to see. Um, I don't know if we'll see it in this meta, unfortunately, but that's okay. But yeah, yeah so so going back, what what were we talking about? We were talking about champion pools. So yeah. I think what's gonna happen. And this is my question to you. Well, let me ask you this is what do you think the key to victory is going to be if everybody's champion pool is small? The the map is not set up in a way where lane swapping is going to be prevalent at all. So what are the keys to victory going to be? And what champions do you think we may see going forward that will help the teams shake up this little uh, this little playoff run? Um, so I, I guess in terms of like, I guess not as much uh, champion play, but play style, I think that commonly when I see teams lose or get behind early or put themselves in bad spots one of my the biggest things i notice is that they have um a a weak enough early game that they're losing early objectives um i think it's often it, it seems very rare that a team that is willing to concede the first two or three dragons 
um, because they're using a scaling composition or something like that, is able to come back and win the game. If that makes sense. Like they may oh, not be totally, behind yeah. in gold, but if they're just like, oh, like we'll we'll we won't fight the first two or three dragons. We're just I gonna think, like, I think you can skip the first two. I think two is okay, but the meta's too fast right now to give up that third dragon and think that you're going to be okay. Cause yeah. that's going that's way too much of an advantage. And B, that means that the next fight that you go to in five minutes is a do or die. You have to win that fight or at right. least the 50-50 to even start your stacking. And not only do is that one a do or die, the next three are two. Yeah. You have to beat them every single other time. So again, that locks you into this the the Syndra, the Oriana, the Azir, the the team fight oriented scaling. So even if you're going down one route, you're pigeonholed into just these champs right. to get that thing done. Right. And that's that's going to be my concern with teams is you're talking about you're talking about the they're opting into the scaling and giving up these dragons. I don't think teams have that luxury because you're right. We haven't seen teams come back and recoup that dragon soul. It just doesn't happen. Well, and I and so I guess going more to the to the picks and things like that, I think that fact of the macro play of having to contest for those early things i think that really pushes i don't think it affects the mid lane champ pools as much i think we'll see plenty of oriana zir syndra Um, but i think it affects the jungle a a lot and i think it affects the top lane a lot i think Mm -hmm. um that we will see a lot of nars and looking for teams to be fighting on uh nar ult cooldowns um mm-hmm. and, and nar bar i think that's going to be a big deal um i also wouldn't be shocked to see a, a good bit of like some gangplank play where because the ult from gangplank can be really significant in some of those team fights um early on like some of the damage that can come out from a good gpo early is uh can be make or break in a fight. So those are like a couple top lane picks, but for the jungle, I really expect to see a lot of these like um like the hecarims and kind of the I guess more brawly like junglers. I okay. think that will um be consistent. I I know a lot more teams have been picking like the Nidalee and things like that, but I don't... Only with the Renekton, though. Yeah, I don't think that the Nidalee is as strong of a pick as some teams have made it look. I think it has too much potential to go down um, and to just be kind of useless. Like, if you're not hitting Spears on Nidalee, you're screwed. So I think overall that pick, even though I feel like we've seen it a bit lately, you might see it in like a game one, game two, but in the games that are like make or break in a best of five series, I don't think that pick's going to come out really. Hmm. 
I think, especially if it get if a series goes to five games, I think teams will not be willing to take the risk on a, a champion like that. Who are our junglers right now? So hundred thieves is so just I guess talking you're you mean like um for the the games this weekend like liquid cloud yeah nine. like like who are our actual jungle players we have we have blabber for cloud nine we have Santorin for liquid closer for hundred thieves and closer Spica. for hundred thieves okay Spica for TSM okay. So then thinking of just those players specifically, we're going to see a lot of Lilia and we're going to see a lot of Hecarim. Yeah. I like, think. I don't know. Okay. So this is where to, to our listeners, the one thing that I don't do in my research for the pod, I don't look at patch notes. So please forgive me if like, we're missing out on something that's like, Oh, well in, in patch four point, blah, 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 blah. The the bubba, uh, so that's that's why Nunu's gonna get played. All right, yeah. These are the things I don't know. Yeah. All I'm saying is, based on what we've seen so far, I think we're gonna see Hecarim. I think we're gonna see Lilia. But I can't say I've been too impressed with the Lilia. And to your point, where you're like, I don't think we're gonna see Nidalee in a game five. If I see Lilia in a game five. Talk about talk about Haas just like belly up and dying. Like that's what that seems like to me. They're snow they're snowball picks. They, they are, are. They are, like but you the, obviously haven't snowballed anything if you're in a best of five scenario against a team. That means you guys are as even as it gets in League of Legends. I don't think five. There's no shot. No shot of seeing those picks, in my opinion. I don't know. I don't know. We have some new coaches. We have some dumb players. I'm I'm serious. Yeah. I'm serious. I think we're gonna see some really dumb shit from these teams in in the pick bands. Yeah. Honestly, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me too much. I, I'm I don't know, I'm man. Scared. Maybe I'm just like like cynical, but I am. Uh, I'm just scared for the. Uh, TSM Team Liquid Game Five, Power of Evil rolls up, hikes his pants up, and instalocks Zillion because Bjergsen's just been coaching him all <laughs> under the table all, all season. That would be really disappointing, and that would feel like Bjergsen trying to say, like, okay. We couldn't win your guys' way. Now you're going to play my shit. Yeah, no, I don't think that would happen. I think it would be hilarious where he just just walks in and just locks the Bjerg pick. That would yeah. be... But no, I don't That'd think that hilarious. would be hilarious. I mean... I would laugh. The inevitable TSM drops game one, that's going to happen. Probably. I don't know, man. Maybe we're just memeing at this point, but like, I like I I'm I'm telling you, I don't have high hopes for these series. I don't think they're gonna be like good. 
I think they're going to be I think they're going to be competitive. Good for the level at they're playing good. at, sure. Good good doesn't yeah, like competitive is is probably the best term for it. I think um I don't think we're going to see any stomps in the series. I think everyone's got their fair share of weaknesses right now. Yeah. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. So hopefully we'll see. I, uh, I definitely agree with that. Maybe we'll see things get a little more fine-tuned and uh, see how it shakes out. Yeah, maybe the best of fives will give teams a little more of a, a kick in the pants to, to get their shit together. So. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm like too critical because to be fair, like the lock-in tournament had best ofs and that was only like six weeks ago. Yeah, but it's not like these kids haven't ever played them. I just, I, I, I don't know. It's just so much different. It is. They just, they just seem so much different competitively speaking that it, 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 if, if you understate it, you actually lose a decent bit of the conversation. So that's so I think that's why I harp on it so much. I think so. And I think we've also seen that each team has their like substantial weaknesses. I mean, we've got some like even even the top teams were were giving up games to bottom teams throughout the the split. Like so CLG. Well, I mean, CLG beat Cloud9 this past week. Immortals Mm -hmm. beat um or no, it was the the week before Immortals beat uh, EG. But like we've had some some really weird losses for some of these top teams, right? In, to say the least. Like I think there have been some strange strange losses for teams that should be top teams. Like mm-hmm. there there are ones that they just shouldn't have lost, and they did. So I think that that makes it very interesting to see the best of fives. Um, I think it makes it slightly concerning going into MSI. Um, Granted, I think the LEC also has had their fair share of similar issues in terms of the top teams dropping games. And the meta is similar, notably. So it's not as though they're going to have to learn how to play around all these like quote unquote unfamiliar champions. Um, The meta is, is similar. So it's not like, yeah, it it won't be a surprise. Yeah. So, so I think like, yeah, the, whatever teams make it out for MSI, I think, um, I don't think NA will be at a super disadvantage. They'll just be at the regular disadvantage. Right. (laughs) Unfortunately. So, but uh, but yeah, it'll be fun. I'm excited to kind of watch those through. I completely agree with you, like getting to watch a full extended series and how that shakes out is very interesting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think I will be a little tuned out from the um, analysts and caster and maybe not the casters. I think the casters are fine. The analyst desk this year has been like less than intelligent. It's um, not it's not super watchable for me. I, yeah. I a lot of times just kind of skip it. Me too. And I'll tell you what, I find 
it was helpful in the beginning during the lock-in to help me like get a sense of player storylines meta like that kind of thing mm-hmm. but now it's just like i have so many more like engaging observations about the game now at rather than like what what they would be talking about with it and it's just like yeah just give me the give me the series so i think that's gonna be like the worst part about it is like i'm just gonna be chomping at the bit like all right like let's get these fucks off the screen let's just get into the game two bathroom breaks uh food breaks just it'll be yeah i hear you i hear you i just i just like my i just like the action you know definitely and i mean i like good commentary on what's going on as well and and hopefully hopefully it's it's not too rough hopefully it's not freak i i have my opinions (laughs) they're strong ones i i expect to see him casting some games probably but hey he does his best he, we all, we all do our best. Actually, we all do our best. Yeah, that's the so, thing. Yeah. Um. It'll be interesting to see, but I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. Only in a couple days, we've got Drive to Survive this weekend. We've got fucking playoffs this weekend. I'm um, gonna, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna like, come. The the Drive to Survive series, I'm gonna have binged it all by like I don't even Friday know. Night. Um, I'm yeah, curious if, it, if it's like an, a 9 a.m. drop, is it a noon drop? When does it go live? That's what I'm looking. We for. have the date, but I need the time. I'll set my alarm, you fucks. So it says March nineteenth midnight pacific so it will be like 2 a.m on saturday um hell yeah or actually that's 3 a.m on friday it's either 3 a.m so 3 a.m friday morning or 3 a.m saturday i guess that would be 3 a.m friday morning yeah i don't know how time zones work so I know how time zones work. I just don't know if they mean that. But it's the date. So they're saying the date. So Yeah, did... so midnight would be, yeah. So I guess that would be like 3 a.m. our time right. Friday morning. Hell yeah. So Friday night, I'm going to get home. I'm gonna Thursday work. night. You can come nah. home real late. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do it. I've uh, I've got work on Friday morning, and I know oh, man, that's one of those things that if I there have been shows where I've tried to start them just like on a normal weeknight at like right. nine p.m. and then it's like four a.m. and I'm still watching, and I'm like, oh, I have to be up in three hours. Oh. Uh- yeah, that's a bad day. You I'm really, I'm really not good at um, starting something that I'm like really interested in watching. Right on a weeknight. Gotcha. Like, I, I have to do it on the weekend. My weeknight watching is things that I've already seen, typically, or things that I don't care if I miss something. 
Mm, like, gotcha. Because you have to have the availability to fall asleep watching it. Exactly. Or just to be able to turn it off. Yeah. yeah so brutal. Yeah, I can't. I can't do it. It. Mm. Nope. I understand. But by the end of Sunday. I've watched two series of best of five League of Legends and all of Drive to Survive. Which is funny because then come that Wednesday, we'll be doing like a recap of the 2020 season because we'll be talking about Drive to Survive, which is funny. True. Yeah. It'll kind of hit all the different uh, points that maybe like memories from the season and all. So, right. Yeah. I doubt, I doubt I'll finish it to be honest. So I uh, we'll I have to go slow, like a first I'll, date. I'll power. I'll power through it all. Okay. I'll be an aggressive first date. You did. De- you degenerate, <laughs> man. The last of the late breakers over here. <laughs> the last of the late breakers. Jesus, you got me. Um, but I know uh, you did want to get into some more deck tech. So, do we want to get rolling with uh, with some of that? Yeah, we can get into that. First of all, but before we do that, I would like I I have two things on my list. I heard something hilarious yesterday and okay. this idea has just like been stuck in my head. It is totally not magic related, so we'll put it here and then we can we can talk about magic related stuff. All right. Um so I was with a client, a client yesterday and she was talking about how her daughter has been like having problems in school and virtual or have they both i'm pretty sure okay and she like she does the work for some classes she doesn't do it for others she like enjoys sports but isn't like that socially competent um she's like hyper intelligent like very intelligent yeah um or at least gives that energy i've i've met this kid a decent amount you know i've interacted with her a decent amount anyway okay um and she is currently using a an individual in her grade as an example to basically try and get an IEP. Wait. Yeah. She's sandbagging school? Yes. <laughs> yes. And it sounds fucking genius. It sounds so funny, especially if you've met this girl, right? Well, and so for anyone who um, doesn't know what an IEP is, it's uh, typically, it's kind of a... Uh, a program for for students that are not excelling who are like it's trying to keep them up to pace with like the rest of the grade and everything help them through with different uh things whether it's certain classes or whatnot so it's a state recognized learning disability is what is basically uh, effectively what that piece of paper says basically so there's a kid in her grade that has something similar and he like acts out, he gets like rambunctious and all this other bullshit. But 
the teachers can't do anything because it, they've got like this pre-written thing that's like, hey, look, he's like whatever. He's got these issues. You can't, you can't touch him. Yeah, right? it's kind of like an anti-discrimination like paperwork. Like right. So now this 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 young individual sees this kid get this like this attention basically she's she's like she's way too smart she's way she's too smart for her own good she's she's bored that is exactly what i told her mother i was like she's just bored dude like there is nothing that that school is able to give her that is like challenging engaging nothing she's like but you know, she'll she'll sit on YouTube for just hours on end just watching videos about who knows what. And it's like, duh, she's not like slow. She just she's not engaged with what the school's offering her. Yeah. So she's literally crying wolf. She's asking her mom to schedule her an appointment with a shrink. Like she's trying to get this in paperwork. She is too smart. Dude, she's like dodging like hardcore (laughs) and she is trying to be out the door, son, in any way that she can. Man, well, and so that's what I was initially going to, to say when you were like, oh, she's like excelling in some classes and she, the, the classes that she's not doing well in or that she doesn't care about either the teacher isn't good or they're just not engaging. That is a known factor. The teacher is somewhat of a, an issue with the young individual. And, and I think that's a big problem. I mean, I look back, um, uh, someone who I'm super close with now, years and years after high school, I, I tutored back in, in high school, I was in National Honor Society and I had to tutor someone because of oh, my requirements. Yeah. Right. And so I got stuck I'm with so this. smart, dude. I'm so proud of you. No, nah, I'm not. I just, I had to try a bunch of times to get it. And they were like, we'll let you in if you just stop bugging us, basically. You actually had uh, to <laughs> fucking beat up the other applicants. So you were the only one left. Pretty much. That's, yeah. uh, that's how I, how, how I snuck my way in, but I hear you. Um, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Continue. No, but this person, like I, we would show up to tutoring. I would be like, all right, so what are you having trouble with? They're like nothing. And I'm like, well, like you're here for this. Like, so like, what's the deal? And I'm like, I don't like my teacher. I'm like, all right. I'm and like, then, and then you say like, get out a worksheet and they can perfectly do the work. Yep. Yeah, like no issue. Uh, like we ended up not. We would like I would help them with homework for other classes that were was completely unrelated to their mm-hmm. the work that they were supposedly struggling with, and uh, it, like it was it, like we became really good friends because we we're just talking about life and just hanging out basically, right? Um, right. In our our <laughs> school sanctioned time that we had to be there, and like became a, a they're a, a very good friend of mine now but it's just funny like the fact that a teacher can have that much of an impact by not being engaging not being willing to work with students not like whatever like both my parents are teachers they i i would say i know a decent bit about like how a, a teacher can be engaging and interact with their students and like 
like my dad, he's, he doesn't put up with any BS. Like if people are, are messing around in class and stuff like that, he's like, you can go. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't want to be here, don't be here. Like get out of my room. Right. Like, he he does his best. To I, try I don't and, think she's like that disruptive. No, though. no, I don't think so either. But it just sounds like she doesn't enjoy that person. And so she just doesn't care. Right. Like that's dude. Yeah, that's fine. But like. You shouldn't be dragging it that low to be trying to. She's, she's trying to get like sign from the from like Governor Wolf, like, yo, you don't have to go to school, fam. Like that's no. that's what she's going for. And Can't be sound, doing that. Yeah. It sounds um crazy. It, and just so it, it was just so funny to me talking to her mother. I'm like, geez, almighty. That's hilarious, but like semi-concerning yeah. <laughs> as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like she sat honestly this kid sounds like extremely intelligent i i mean back back in high school i when i decided i would be lazy i was like i'm just gonna take the like lowest level of class i can take and just like like my english class senior year i would answer like the teacher would ask a few questions at the beginning of class i'd answer all of them and like not let anyone else answer anything, even though most people didn't want to anyway. Right. I would just go to sleep for the rest of the class because I was like, teacher knows I know what I'm doing, so he'll just leave me alone. Yeah. I did that. I did that. That was first, a great strategy. I did that first period every day of, of senior year. I would Hell answer yeah. like three questions at the start of my English class out. Sleep. Hell yeah. Damn. So that's what I did to sandbag. But like, she's actually trying to get yeah, like, she's like she's legitimately trying to like game the system. She's trying to beat it. Never. I was never like smart enough to think I could go that far. And so that is like, yeah, extreme kind of intelligence. And and I don't think she's like, you know, Lord Voldemort or anything. No. But it was just super funny to hear, especially because, like, I've met this girl. And yeah. it's just like, damn, man, that is um, that's that's a pretty funny one, because, like, her her mother is such a sweet lady that eh, just for her to have to deal with something like that, it's, it's, it, it's such a juxtaposition. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I heard that yesterday. I just thought that was the funny, funniest thing ever. That's awesome. The girl who I cried mean, wolf, man. The, the more better yet, the girl who cried stupid is is like what like, she's trying to do. I want to say good for her, but at that's the same what I time, said. That's what I said. Same, I was like, that's awesome. At the same time, I'm just like. In the back of my mind, I'm like, it sounds like she has so much potential. I but know, then, right? But then I'm also like, yes, get away with the easy <laughs> as you can. <laughs> like, I'm all about it. That's, yeah. Well, oh. she she's doing it in such a creative way, or at least at least an <laughs> out of the box way. It's like, yeah, you know, I. That's so funny that she's like, she sees a kid who's actually struggling and she's like, how can I do this? Yeah, she's like, I can do that. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, okay. That's Whatever. amazing. I yeah, love so it. I th- so I thought that was amazing. No, um, I love it. That's awesome. But yeah, less, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, less uh, gaming competition related and more just like, uh, yeah, funny stuff. But I, I did want to talk to you because we were, I'm not sure if we talked about this last episode, but I know we've been talking about it behind the scenes. Mm. Um, you getting into the investment slash money making aspect of magic the gathering yeah and we, buying we uh, it, buying the box we hit it a little bit at the end of uh of last episode okay not, not too too deep but i i have pre-ordered my my time spiral box um, now what's your plan okay like what what what's what's your goal how do you see this playing out i'm curious so my i'm i'm hoping to to get the box um start cracking packs i my my idea is i'm going to separate the cards into different like essentially levels of how valuable they are right um once i kind of get together a, a list of that i'm gonna send a list to you of what we got in the box to see if you want anything um, and then at least for this initial one, I, I kind of plan to sell them back through Card Kingdom. I think okay. that's I think that's gonna be the easiest way. So like I'll I'll put the the expensive ones in the sleeves right off the bat, keep them right. in good condition to uh to send in and then um get paid. And and like I, I think there's probably slight potential for me to to end up like losing 20 bucks or something like that overall right. there's also you've gambled before it's nothing there's also decent potential that i could make some some decent money with it and right if i if i get some good pulls and can make more than the amount that i spent on the box back then i'm kind of planning to like any like residual or extra that I make right now, I think I want to just kind of put that aside and hold off. And then right. hopefully for future invest in like maybe two boxes or like whatever uh, to, uh, right. To, to get a little bit more and, and maybe at some point have like one of those boxes that I just hold on and, and keep for, for a, a couple years and then try and sell later if uh right. if it becomes more of a, a significant collector's type thing and whatnot nice. okay so, so that's kind of where i'm at like I think, it sounds like a decent plan i think that there's decent potential for me to make more than the value or more than i paid for the box yeah there's probably a 25% chance or something that I make less back. Right. Which, if that happens, it is what it is. It was a, an interesting try, and I still will probably try it again down the road. And hey. Well, I'll a, a couple a things to that. I think you are doing it at like on a good set, right? I yeah. think you're starting at on a on a good set to do it. There are while there's no like big money cards, there's no like Force of Will or Mana Crypt or Mana Vault or anything like that, but there is like consistent value there at the top like with some of the rares and some of the time shifted cards that 
and 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 this is where we'll like you know you'll you'll start to learn more about magic just in general is some of those cards you'll you'll see are like they're modern playable they're vintage playable they're legacy mm. playable like that kind of stuff um and yeah it's just a good time to get into it moving forward um and there's going to be yeah i think there's going to be some good money to be made i know there is a youtube channel uh guy's name's the professor and one of the things that he does is like he he calls it the booster box game where he cracks packs and looks at the value of these cards and then if he gets the value of the box then he can go get another box and then do it again and then use like any any profit as whatever whatever he wants to use it for but like he just keeps using the boxes to buy more boxes and then yeah. just like keep the profit i think that's like a great way to do it and that's kind of where i would like except i would like to at least for maybe these initial like one or two boxes see if the profit can maybe get me a second box or, or something right. like that because ah. then there's there's the potential like for the next one i know you said the next box coming out after time spiral i think might be a pretty good box to get as well yeah i um, think there's gonna be i think there may be a standard set in between so it's gonna be time okay. spiral remastered which is this one there will likely be i don't know uh i don't know if strix haven is going to come out before then but at the end of last year wizards was talking about a modern horizons 2 gotcha and that was a set that they stated like i said in the text message is that's where they're going to be reprinting the fetch lands and mm. fetch lands are big money. I don't know if you looked those up, but they're like fifty dollars plus. Gotcha. I didn't. I didn't look into it yet. Um, yeah, those those are insane. But so that's so there. It, it's a good time to be getting into magic. Like that's that's just a good way to put it. Yeah, and I think overall, I think if um, if I'm doing this, I'm also going to be like looking at the cards a lot more, reading them, getting a better idea of like what they do and things like that. And right. I think overall I will gain a better understanding of at least like what the cards can do. Maybe not play styles and necessarily things like that from, from cracking these packs. But right. I think that it will, I mean, it, it can't, subtract from my knowledge of magic like i think that'd be uh, funny i think uh it that would be like me trying to get an iep in magic like it's <laughs> yeah you'd have to really go out of your way to, be, <laughs> to lose yeah. knowledge that's funny magic. um so i think overall it's gonna be pretty cool to uh to crack these packs see what i get uh learn a little bit along the way of what the cards do and and hey hopefully uh make a little bit of money so. dude and it it's so much fun man and it's like it you can actually feel it like hitting you like a drug does dude i like i used to crack packs of like i used to get hockey cards and oh baseball hell yeah cards and stuff hell like that. yeah so you crack, know all about it cool. open in a pack of hockey cards like 
when I was super up with every single player in the NHL and things and being like, oh, did I get this rookie card and things like that? Oh, man. Hell yeah. It, it's a oh, yeah. You're going to be you're going to be in bliss. I am going to be one thing I the did want to talk to you about is you said, hey, I want to get into the financial side. I don't want to play. I feel like I'm too behind. That's bullshit, my friend. They make so though, especially for the game format that we play, we mm. play commander. Commander yeah. is like it can be the most casual format where you don't need expensive cards. You don't need like super high skill level. I feel like if you ever wanted to get in on it with us, you would be able to pick up one of the, the pre-constructed ones yeah. and just like sit right down and play and have no issues at all. I think I could. And, and I guess um saying that I would be like, too far behind or whatever is probably not the the app comparison. I I think that if I bought one of those pre-constructed decks, I wouldn't be super competitive. I could you, still definitely You could be though. You would be. Like I really think so. Because you guys have tuned you guys have tuned your decks pretty well. I think jumping in with Ian you guys, would be the only one that would give you problems because he doesn't have like lower powered decks. I know I you said that. Tons of lower powered decks. Brett has lower powered decks. Jason has lower powered decks. Yeah. So you would actually be able to come in at a level where but I couldn't you, compete at like the top level, but I could still play and have fun. Not yet, but if you're cracking True. packs of Time Spiral Remastered, <laughs> you're going to have copies of Pact and Negation. I don't. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, That's you, true. This, this is what I'm getting at. Like, you're, you're, you're pretty close to being able to, like, you know, get into the hobby as much as you want to i i don't think you should put arbitrary restrictions on much on how much you can enjoy it because it really is so much fun to play with the cards that you cracked and the arts that you love and all that it it really I'm, is a good time i'm definitely this is my sales pitch no i understand but it, i'm also definitely slightly concerned about how much money i would spend on it if you're if you're making if you're making all this money from singles hey, and stuff, if I if I am making money on it and like it, it, say say I crack these packs and what and make a hundred extra dollars on it or something, then that's forty for a commander deck, sixty dollars to your student loans. That's uh that's definitely something I would I would consider it a little bit more. I'm I want to see at least like how this first this first you're gonna have so much fun you're gonna have so much fun i want to see how the first box goes and in terms of like how much i'm making and things like that and that will also give me a better idea of like if i'm gonna consistently want to do this and like figure out Mm. which boxes and like the 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 more intricate details like right now i'm like hey let me give it a shot, see right. how it goes, and uh, I'll. At the end of the day, I'm sure I'll learn more about it. Uh, I, I'm definitely not opposed to to playing Magic by any means. Um, I just, I, I have some hangups in terms of I think that some sexual hangups, huh? Knowing myself, I would probably spend more money 
than I necessarily should. I definitely did that with buying shit in League of Legends. Oh, dude, yeah, those skins, you can't get that money back, bro. Honestly, I should sell my account because I... Yeah. (laughs) Because I have so many skins and, like, I have hundreds of dollars into into that account. Yeah, man. I mean, hey, it was worth it. At the time, I was not buying other video games. Think of all of the women that you courted because of the sick league of legends skins that you had hey baby have you seen my infernal alistar dude remember when there was the video of the dude being like hey will you go to prom with me i'm challenger yes (laughs) i do i do that was so rough to watch Cause you know that you know he is still dealing with the consequences of that moment of his life. Hey man, chicks dig Elo. They do. They really <laughs> dig it. But no, I um. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Wh- no, wh- where do we go to sell our account? Because that's something that I should really do. I'll find somewhere. Hell yeah, Jesus um, man. I'm sure I could tabulate like how. I there's got to be there's a website that tells you how much time you spent playing league over the years yeah there's got to be something that tells you how much money you spent on it too which without going through and just like adding up all your transactions yeah there's got to be something um but yeah i mean i i'm definitely kind of past the point of of playing league anymore unfortunately but i do still love the competitive scene which is me too which I'm I'm super happy that I'm like still into that. Um, so, but in terms of magic, I think that what my main thing is learning curve, which I think I would pick up relatively quickly if I was putting the time in. Like yeah. I'm not super concerned about it, but also like how much money am I gonna sink into a new? Oh, uh, they don't call a cardboard crack for nothing, bro. Exactly. I, I I literally just spent $120 on one single piece of cardboard. Dude, the dopamine that my body craves, I think, would too easily be satiated. I would just like latch that. onto it hardcore, I, like, this is what we needed. Give us more. I think my brain would be like, get another box. Right. Get, get the box. Right. We're going to Target. We're finding booster packs, baby. <laughs> Just fucking cracking them open. I, you're not even selling the cards. You're just putting them through this customized shredder that you have that like powderizes them. Just, and you're just uh, doing straight lines of magic cards. I just open the packs and I'm like, nope, shred. <laughs> nope. Oh, that's a good one. Nope, shred. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah it's good times dude it's good times yeah so we'll we'll see how it goes uh, you're getting getting me to to buy this box and uh and crack some packs is probably going to be the downfall of my life but it's okay <laughs> at least i would have some legacy at this point i have none at least <laughs> they could remember me for something take me down with you yeah or something like that. Oh, man.
But yeah, this week on the Magic Hour, we oh, are yeah. going to do a deck tech of my Golos Tireless Pilgrim Commander deck. I yep. sent the list to Aaron, so he has the um, so he has the list, and I know we're kind of getting to time here soon, so we're not going to go through every card in the in the deck, just uh, just some fun ones. So real yeah. quickly, so I'm guess- going to do a little screen swap Aaron you want to you want to intro here so we're going to be going through the the deck um I was looking a little bit into it and um I mean kind of similar to uh the other commander decks you have a lot of lands in your deck primarily to you want to be able to make sure you're pulling those getting your mana um being able to use those um I'm I'm really interested in seeing or I guess hearing from Justin a little bit more. Uh, Justin, can you turn the phone so it flips? Can you can you turn the phone so it flips to the? Uh, I think so. Cool. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Beautiful. Um. So I'm I'm definitely interested to to see kind of what the um the play style is for this because you have a lot of planeswalkers in this deck. Um and so it seems like this is gonna be a little bit uh a little bit different from from last week's deck that we went through. Um from going through the the Zakama deck. So yeah, so the Zakama deck was very like creature focused. It was it was kind of around the dinosaur tribe a little bit and like like big mana type stuff. Yeah. But this one is a little more focused on trying to quickly assemble the pieces of I'll call it a slow combo. It's not like it's not something that's gonna win quickly. But the deck does have an like an inbuilt inevitability where if you give me enough turns, I will win the game. Gotcha. It's well, not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. Yeah, and so looking through the um your your deck and everything, you have a lot of um a lot of like sorcery and instant cards that are available kind of in the deck for you. So, yeah. so give me a little more information about, I guess, the play style and and kind of what you're looking for from your deck to to get to these uh, like game winning um, kind of combos. So, if you look at the commander. Mm-hmm. He says, when he enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a land card, put that card onto the battlefield tap, then shuffle your library. So the way that I built Golos is to focus the my like win conditions, have them on lands. So my commander effectively is just a tutor for the way that I'm gonna win the game. He just goes and finds it and puts it onto the battlefield. Gotcha. He also has the activated ability, pay seven, and then you can 
exile the top three cards of your library, play them this turn without paying their mana cost. So obviously you see some like big costed spells. Zakama's in there. He's nine. Reshape the Earth is nine. Patron of the Moon is seven. So there's like some big spells there, but those aren't what's going to be winning us the game. Mm. What's winning us the game usually is this land card here called Maze's End. So Maze's End says... Three, tap it, return it to its owner's hand, and then you may search your library for a gate card, which is a type of land. Mm -hmm. uh, search the library for a gate card, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. If you control ten or more gates with different names, you win the game. So, this, yeah, exactly. So, the strategy, get to Golos, get Maze's End onto the battlefield, and find the quickest ways to get all those gates on the battlefield, activate, and win the game. So so how many gate cards do you have in this deck? Do you only have 10 or do you have more? I only have 10. And oh. I used to have the 11th one. There's only 11, right? So there's one gate for each of the guilds. And then there's the, uh, I think it's called Gateway Plaza. But that land for our format, it was just too slow. It was really just too slow. So it enters the battlefield tapped, and then you have to pay a mana for it to actually enter the battlefield. So it's, it's just like a really slow card to play. And every time I had it, it actually ended up not being that good. So I took it out. So, so there are only 11 gates total in Magic? Or do yeah. you only okay gotcha i think there is only 11 total so gotcha. you have to you gotta find up. them right in a hundred card deck you gotta find them so maze's end is our main win condition and then another combo of lands that we have it's not as secure of a win condition in commander um because a big 2020 doesn't end the game like it does in one versus ones so mm -hmm. we have thespian stage and dark depths and in combination after some series of just like executing the rules thespian stage will turn into a 2020 black avatar avatar creature token with flying and indestructible so we get dark depths out it's a land get thespian stage out as well copy it make a big 2020 in a couple of turns that's going to knock some people dead but it's not that reliable because people have ways to exile it remove it bounce it back to my hand whatever so that's like that's like the c plan or at least just something fun you can do in the deck gotcha the the b plan is field of the dead whenever field or another land enters the battlefield under your control. If you control seven or more lands with different names, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. So the idea would be get field out, make a whole bunch of land drops, and have an army of zombies to overrun the board with. So if you if you get field out early, yeah. then each time you add a so like if you if you have it in your like initial draw you want to play it early so every time you're playing a land you're getting uh, a 2/2 two, two zombie creature token after 7 total yeah oh okay so on gotcha. your 7th land drop you'll you'll get your first zombie okay gotcha yeah 
But if you have like copies of it or anything like that, then you'll start to make more. Um, so those are like the main win conditions of the deck. Um, and there are th those are the ones that are on the lands. Now, okay. how do we get to having all of those lands on the battlefield? We have a full suite of we have make extra land drops we have uh search your library for gate cards put them onto the battlefield search for two land cards put them onto the battlefield so let's say i have a good amount of gates but i just need maze or field of the dead or whatever i can go and grab them with hour of promise i can get a specific one with sylvan scrying um, there's a couple of lands in here that do some like utility type stuff. Um, I can go grab what I need with that. And then there is scape shift. So all in one swoop, I can go sacrifice any number of lands, search library for up to that many land cards, put them onto the battlefield tapped. So I can just totally change the mana base that I have on the battlefield. So that, so those are my, my ways to kind of tutor up. Uh, tutor up the lands that I need. And also in the deck, we have we ways to rebuy Golas's ability to just bounce him, put him back on the battlefield, go get another one, bounce him out, go get another one. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And I saw that your uh some of your creatures in here, like your uh district guide, your dryad of the Elysian Grove, like they yep. are also like they're they're creatures but they are also tooled to helping you get to those lands and get those wind conditions with the gates or the lands right. and everything right so so you were asking about you were asking about the instants and sorceries a lot of them are focused on getting more lands out and then the other ones are just like removal um and ways to interact with people trying to mess with my stuff so like kill their creatures counter spells bounce things stuff like that gotcha because um, yeah with this it sounds like you do need a certain amount of time so you have to have some sort of counteractive ability to kind of block the other uh players from from getting to their win conditions first yeah exactly so. just stop them and their plans um so here we have some of the some of the big planeswalkers in the deck now why did i want to go with planeswalkers a because then they would just be in my binder. Part of my philosophy about building and why I have so many decks is I just want my cards to have a home. I don't want them to just be like sitting in a binder, never looked at, never used, never played with, kind of like Andy's toys, you know? Um, yeah. So I figured this would be a fun place to try and include some of the Planeswalkers. But they're big, strong and they demand attention from the enemy players is the big idea. So while I'm trying to do my thing and assemble all my lands, here's these planeswalkers that are effectively gaining me life and taking the heat off of my life total and having them have to worry about the life total of my of my planeswalker friends. Uh, notably, we have Lord Windgrace in here, who is a land strategy-focused planeswalker. We have Raw, which is going to give me like card selection um, and damage. Veraska Relic Seeker offers an end game. Uh, minus 10 target player's life total becomes one. 
Uh, so you have a way to just like drop somebody out of the game pretty quickly. Ashiok, the dream render exile opponents, libraries, and they, and opponents can't search their library. So no tutoring for my opponents can really shut down a lot of strategies. Um, and we have a decent amount of graveyards in our play group. Um, so it helps me deal with those. Um, gotcha. And then Oath of Teferi, uh, you can activate the, the Planeswalkers twice in one turn, which is huge, and then ignite the beacon, go look for them. Now, this is often my favorite section, is my secret commanders. Now, these are other legendary creatures in the deck that facilitate the strategy, right? Yep. So... We have Gigantha. Notice her ability. She taps for all five of the colors. So when you tap her, she adds five mana. So oh, you tap huge. her. That's like a full Golos activation. That's that's, that's five huge. of the of the mana. Um, so Gigantha, she's a big player in the deck. She gets you, um, she gets you quality Golos activations. We have Sisse, Weatherlight Captain. She's a tutor, so you can pay Wooberg and go search your battlefield for stuff. She's really good. We have Essica, God of the Tree. She's a mana dork, meaning she taps for a mana and then gives the ability to my other legendaries where they can tap for mana. So she's on the battlefield. Golos really doesn't do anything. He never really attacks. So Golos will turn into, uh, you know, I can make mana with him. Gigant, I can make mana. Sisse, I can make mana. Um, and then we have Yarrick, who is, uh, one of my other commanders that I have, but he works really well in the deck, uh, gaining me double enter the battlefield triggers, which when you have a lot of lands entering creatures entering, um, he's a great one to have to double those effects. And then we have Joda Archmage Eternal. So he says you may pay Wooberg, which is white, blue, black, red, and green, rather than the traditional mana cost for spells so if i have something that costs nine mana instead i can just pay one of each color and i get to cast it so, so it helps kind of lower the curve so with yarrick uh for instance yep. if you do have to kind of go by that play style of um getting out like the the zombies and and trying to get creatures onto the battlefield if yep. yarrick is on the battlefield you'd be getting two of each exactly right and if you're dropping like three four five lands onto the battlefield in a turn that's 12 zombies now that are gonna that are that people are gonna have to deal with um so yeah yara can generate a lot of threat very quickly um now for the big the big swings the cards that you would really want to hit off of golis's ability to be able to cast them for free so we have Brass's Bounty, big seven mana spell. Gain a treasure token for each land you control, which depending on when I cast this, I could uh, be coming into a lot of treasure. Okay. We have a copy of Ruinous Ultimatum. So destroy all non-land permanents your opponents control. So it'll wipe all of their shit off the battlefield, but mine will all stay intact. Okay. Big board wipe. And then you know this guy. We have a copy of Zakama, Primal Calamity. He's just too good. Untapping all your lands is so good. And f- if he comes off the top for free with the Golos activation, that's just such a power swing. Um, so he's in there. We have Planar Bridge. Uh, for eight mana, you can go search your library for a permanent and put it onto the battlefield. You can just dig anything out of your deck and put it out for free. Very strong. 
Um, and then we have shout out to you, by the way, reshape the earth. So search your library for 10 land cards, put them onto the battlefield tapped and then shuffle your library. This is one of the cards that came in the commander legends boosters that you had bought me. Um, and this is just like perfect, perfect for Golos. Um, exactly what the deck wants to be doing, spending big mana to make a bunch of landfall triggers. Um, so reshape the earth is kind of like the, the big card in the deck so shout out to you so thank you merry christmas hey absolutely man i uh i wanted to be a part of the fun so well and and you're gonna be man when you play commander with us um and, you, and, and you'll be able to see this golos deck run in action um absolutely. but yeah that's like a that's a short little deck tech for golos tireless pilgrim um he's a really fun one to play it's never um it often doesn't play out the same because he is so toolboxy um mm. i can often kind of grab what i need for that game and uh try and put a win together from there um so yeah it's a really fun deck really powerful um yeah one of my favorites so thanks for everybody for tuning into the deck tech yeah, and it seems uh, with it, it's there's a lot of kind of opportunities and options you have for being successful with this deck. So like you're you're not pigeonholing yourself into uh, one play style or anything. You have the ability to kind of uh, yeah shake things up uh, depending on what cards you pull and what what opportunities you have. So well, and and what can make what can make that deck sometimes so interesting is like depending on which planeswalkers i end up having on the battlefield like they really do um mess with the game flow like significantly they're often like um for opponents you really got to deal with them um so they really help me stay alive where ian's constantly asking like how many gates do you have how many gates do you have how many gates do you have because like when golos is when golos is in the pod um like i said it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when um just the way it's all constructed so it, it if if you give it enough time yeah it'll 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 take the game so it's it's really fun and like to try and what I was getting at was trying to navigate all of those like decision points to find the best combination of cards yeah absolutely um very cool uh that yeah. was that was fun going through and kind of seeing the different the different uh win conditions that you have with the deck and and everything with um what your big cards are and all um is that something that you would uh we could possibly link in the description for the the episode yeah, we have the I have the link in the talking points. We can we'll be able to throw that up so everybody can take a look at it. Cool. Um yeah, yeah, I think that would be cool for everyone to be able to go through and kind of see even though with uh with this website some of the cards are in Japanese. So, oh yeah, it picks <laughs> It, the the website is weird. It picks like whatever like the most recent alternate art or like printing of it is or whatever. So yeah, that's why some of them don't look like regular magic cards. Gotcha. Yeah, there's some yeah. that are in uh, like Japanese. I think it is that mm -hmm. I I was looking at and I was hoping that they didn't come up in 
<laughs> in the cards you were mentioning. Definitely did not. Say, yeah, I know the one no, you're talking they, about. They didn't. There's a there's a few, especially like um, I think four of the planeswalkers all are right. Um, and those were from War of the Spark. They did. Um, there was like this whole Japanese art run that they did with them, and they were really sweet. Gotcha. Very yeah. cool. So, but yeah, um, we'll uh, we'll link that deck in the. Um, either in the yeah probably in the description so everybody can go take a look and see how um mediocre i am at deck building hell yeah <laughs> yeah dude <laughs> hey it's better than uh me potentially buying a pre-made deck so ah those 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 lists are okay like that's what i'm saying like they they hold up man they're not bad they're really well, not well, bad and and you get access to like solid cards too which is sweet like actually like commander playable cards yeah, well, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. Maybe we'll have a, a little bit more to talk about with it uh, down the line. Um, I'm hoping that I'll get my box before next episode, but that may not they that may not happen. Yeah, so. based on the shipping that it sounded like they were gonna have, it may be a little bit. It may not be until uh, we may be doing a uh, recap of some crack pack it, or pack cracking. Pack cracking, crack packing. Crack oh, packing. Damn, Aaron, <laughs> cracking, packing those cracks, dude. Uh, along with some uh, race recaps. So, yeah. but very cool. Um, yeah. Anything else you uh, want to hit on before you take us on out of here for the, today? Uh, no, I don't think so. That was, uh, that was really all I wanted to hit. I know, um, testing this weekend was really fun. Um, looking forward coming up this weekend for the LCS playoffs, um, drive to survive. Um, and next week look forward to, I think the deck we'll be doing is Azor the Lawbringer. Um, so Aaron, I'll get that to you and Beautiful. to the listeners. Um, stay tuned on March 28th. We'll be doing a live, uh, live watching of the first race. Um, yep. stay tuned for that. But yeah, other than that, man, that's, I think that's all I have. Awesome. Uh, well, thanks again, everyone for listening. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, anchor, Spotify, Twitter, uh, look for us there. You guys should know the links at this point, but, uh, Thanks again for listening to another episode of the tall and short of it. Drop a subscribe, leave a comment, hit the like button, engage with us, please. That's been the tall and short of it. Everybody peace out later.